Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks. Welcome back to the Mountain West Wire football podcast. Yeah, we're here. MWR.com. We talk about football, uh, you know, all the time, Matt. Is that correct? Because even though it's, uh, what, within 200 days now, are we um, somewhere in that range just starting up for the week zero stuff? Yeah. I mean, on one hand, you know, you might be tempted to say we're entering like the depths of the offseason. Uh, Super Bowl is behind us. But in some corners of the conference (laughs) yeah xfl usfl but i think closer to home spring practice is already underway for three teams in the conference uh as we're recording this on february 15th the nfl combine is about a week and a half away Mm -hmm. the nfl draft isn't much farther after that so it's still plenty going on yeah we got plenty also march excess is not a football thing but that's coming up soon march (laughs) that's right We'll get to that. So here's what the agenda today. SP Plus came out, which people will shake a fist at Bill Connolly and be like, why does my team, why do you hate my team for every 130-something teams? Also, Matt, I am uh, I was unaware. Were there new teams that have been added to FBS? Is Jacksonville that State is correct. and Sam Houston Jacksonville State, State and Sam Houston State. So there are now 133 FBS teams. Okay, because I saw when the SP Plus rankings we'll get to was beyond 131. I'm like, wait a minute. Also, yeah, I don't know if you know this, but on Bill C and everything, it says same Houston. Is it not same Houston State, the Bearcats with a K? I believe technically it is. I wonder if that's just like a quirk of ESPN tabling or something like that. I am wondering because I'm I'm familiar with that university. It's kind of near where I grew up and they have a giant, like when I mean giant statue, this is for all the Bearcats fans. Probably zero point one percent. Are you familiar with at all? Uh, only a little bit. That silence. Okay, that, I mean, but you've heard of the name, right? The person who was uh, like the president yeah, of Texas. Yeah, Houston. Well, that's what I'm getting at. But it, when I mean they have a giant statue in front of their campus, it is literally a gigantic building-sized statue of Sam Houston. <laughs> <laughs> it like comes out of nowhere because it's in the small town of Huntsville. I believe you go there if you're going to Dallas, like going north from Houston, where I'm from, and you pass that. I'm like, oh, that's like the hour 45 mark or hour and a half mark from over you're going from going from yeah. to south to north. But like 
literally it's gigantic. So you got two new teams, which they don't play Mountain West teams this year. It's fine. We get SP Plus, Craig Thompson. I think by uh, the reason we're getting Craig Thompson, obviously he's stepped down. He's retired in December 31st, and we kind of have to breathe a little bit. But also, it's an old old article over at the Athletic. But also, Robbie McCombs, who I know a bit from work with him, he does stuff for Vanquish Chafo, put like a little thing out there. Or no, maybe mm-hmm. no. Sorry, it's a different person. I apologize, not Robbie. He does a bunch for them. He put out something out there we can get into as well, kind of going back mostly expansion back in 2010 stuff. We'll get to, but and then yeah, we got some spring updates like you said. But SP Plus, you put it together. You've looked at it more closely than most people here. I've looked at it a bit here and there, but actually, I guess first off, let's back up here, Matt. What is it to, for people who don't know? And if you don't know, where have you been forever for at least five plus ten years almost? What do you? Oh, it's been around for longer than that. I think it's well, I mean, I'm saying years at this point. At least, yeah, it's like five, ten. No, it's a uh, Mizzou. Was it uh Missouri website? Um, football That's study right. all. That's football where Bill Connolly got a start from uh, Rock M, I believe. Yeah, RockMation.com. That's what it is. So, what is SP Plus? Like for people, like what? It's like I know it includes five factors, I believe. If that's still the case, right? Um. Yeah. Pretty- Sort of, yeah, but in it, yeah, it, it does account for that in terms of like, um, you know, how teams perform on the field. But you know, the, the phrase that he uses is efficiency. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people I think have a tendency to think of it in terms of like, you know, this team is good or bad. And I think if you're going to shift your expectations a little bit, what you need to start thinking of is, is your team efficient? Or is it inefficient? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, if you're just looking for uh, sort of a, a, a really simple litmus test, you know, consider that, you know, by a lot of the factors, which, you know, we talked about before, we'll talk about again over the summer during team previews, but like New Mexico, for example, um, you know, last in the country in points per drive, last in the country in available yards percentage per drive, a, a lot of things along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> which is why it may not shock you to learn that they're next to last in overall SP plus they project as the second least efficient team in the country. So, you know, the five factors, like you mentioned that, you know, explosiveness, um, you know, I think success rate and things along those lines, you know, all that stuff matters, but in the broad strokes, what is SP plus is based on is returning production, recruiting, in recent history. Good to know. And we also can mention he put out his returning production numbers as well. We'll kind of intertwine. Yes. And also it should be noted directly from his website. Oh, this will be me quoting Bill C. A reminder on SP Plus. It's a tempo and opponent adjusted measure of college football efficiency, as you mentioned, Matt. It is a predictive measure of the most sustainable and predictable aspects of football, not I think you should pull this back, Matt. It is not a resume ranking. Along those lines, these projections aren't intended to be a guess at top 25 at the end of the season. They're simply early offseason power rankings based on information we've gathered to date. And what will make these interesting, and that's so that's what it is. So if you're like, why is my team good or not good? A couple of things we should note. Typically, the academies are underserved in this because recruiting is always low just because that's what they are. Mm-hmm. So we'll see Air Force, like currently at the moment, they are actually higher than actually pretty higher than I thought because they're 77th overall, 118 offense, 31 defense. But typically they're mm-hmm. it takes a while to catch up because it's a how many years does he take with this? Is it five years, four years? 
something like that yeah like prior data and so he'll reduce uh, it he'll... yeah and 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 if, to clarify because you mentioned the five factors a minute ago i just want to lay it out there so the five factors that you're referring to are efficiency so just like you know how often you're moving forward from down to down explosiveness field position finishing drives so, you know, you may have Points. heard the phrase, you may have heard the phrase more and more over the past couple of years that field goals are failures. Um, <laughs> that's because maybe as, as obvious as it is, getting six points out of a drive is better than settling for three. And the last one is turnovers. The one before, that's why Nick Sirano is a hero of, of NFL coaching going for a fourth down every chance you get for the Eagles. So, yeah, love to and see that's, that. That's why, that's why Troy Calhoun will always have a, a, a place in my heart. Heck yeah, like he, they, they do, it's, it's great what that what that we should be doing. Like punting, like teams are getting better at it. But like if you're on your, my opinion, if it's under if, if it's five yards or less, and you're beyond your own thirty five, why not go for it? I think that's reasonable. The, I don't think that's too outlandish. I could see circumstances like obviously score wise and weather wise, like maybe you want to get rid of it or something. But in part of the way, but like I don't think that's too much of a risk. It's outside field goal range if you don't get it for the most part. But you also got to trust your defense a bit. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. combination, but that's kind of almost the baseline. Maybe 40 if I'm being generous. I want to be, yeah, you need a few more yards to push it back. But mm-hmm. And also, this re- reduces I, – I always forget exactly what it does, but it removes like garbage time as well, correct? As, as much as possible, yes. Yeah. And that's and also all- true of that's also true of FEI, which we talk about on this podcast all the time as well. Yeah, Brian Furman, yeah, bcftoys.com. So when we look at this overall, as a conference whole, the Mountain West is behind the Sun Belt and the American. And this is also, remember, conferences are changing. So, geez, I'm going to remember this again, Matt, for coming up for our preseason previews. So the Big 12 now adds BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, 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 yes. So Mm -hmm. even with those three of those four coming from the American, the Mountain West is still far behind the American. But I think the American added, oh, geez, like – Charlotte's and oh geez, I don't Char- know. Okay, let's see if I can remember them all. Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, okay. Rice, mm-hmm. Marshall. No, Marshall, I believe is he. They moved from uh, the, to the Sun Belt. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember <laughs> them all. Uh, North Texas, Quiz time. Uh, Alabama, right. Birmingham, and UTSA. Okay, UTSA. All right. I, oh boy, this is gonna be a. It's gonna be a study time this summer, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so even if those teams added, like Charlotte was garbage. UTSA is really good with Jeff Trailer there. He'll be there for hopefully for a minute. FIU can be pretty good. So it's not sharp. I already said Charlotte, but it's we'll see. But Sunbelt's obviously App State, Marshall, really good teams in there. James Madison, who is obviously mm-hmm. played ex- exceedingly well last year in their first year moving up to the FBS ranks. Um and same Eastern State, I think are they CUSA, I'm guessing. Yeah, cover to us. That's correct. Yeah. So I tried to get the two new schools. Jack, where's Jacksonville State? Are they Sunbelt or are they? They're also in Conference USA. Makes sense. So in Conference USA is a distance. Actually, no, the Mac is, I apologize, or 10th. But Mountain West is eighth overall, which is not great. But you noted, like when you went through these, what did you particularly see? Because to me, it seemed like there's not much respect for the Mountain West. As much as respect yeah, you want to so, say, a computer gives you. Yeah. So it's. It's rough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I put in the article that, you know, at this time last year, and it's important to keep in mind that, you know, Connolly updates these projections typically once or twice as more players transfer, 
uh, and, and things like that as rosters take firmer shape through, you know, into the summer and, and exactly. in the fall. So like there's updates, I believe in like June and August, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, but I wonder if, what if it'll change it just starting up because there's actual portal window now, which makes it easier. Well, maybe harder, yeah. harder and easier because the portal window ended what first week at middle of January. So there's not going to be random guys leaving. Nobody is leaving, but they'll know where you're going to go by May 15th. So I'm betting mm-hmm. he'll have an update first week, middle of May, and then obviously it's summertime again. So, but you're right, it does update a couple of times. But that's the hard part, like production returning and like guys come in and how's that fit in? Sorry, but continue with the lackluster preseason Mountain West respect. Yeah. So at this time last year, there were four teams that were ranked 100th or below. And we knew that that might be the case, especially for some teams that went into last season having faced like a huge amount of turnover. And I'm thinking primarily of like, you know, Nevada and Hawaii and then all of those narratives from like, you know, December and January of last year. This year, though, there are eight teams Ugh. ranked 100th or worse. So I'm just, if you just want to run them down real quick, Wyoming is 101, San Jose State is 103. Nevada at 107, UNLV at 108, Utah State at 118, Colorado State at 119, and then bringing up the rear, Hawaii and New Mexico at 131 and 132, respectively. Out of those group, I'll, I'll answer this question, Bosco, as well. Like the biggest non shock, the non shocker are Hawaii and Mexico. Maybe Hawaii a little bit because they're actually, despite being four and nine, they had a couple one possession games that didn't go their way. I'm surprised that Hawaii is that low. And I'm also with San Jose State as well, because I know that's production accounts for it, but they returned Shivan Cordero, returned some receivers. But de- it's defense that lose a lot of guys, but that's, I'm surprised San Jose State's not a bit higher. Um, those are, and I, those think, are kind of- I think a lot of it, and and I'm and I'm going back into last year's final rankings to sort of you know try and justify this point. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I think a lot of it is the fact that the Spartans, in particular, ended last year. They they were 90th overall, in, you know, heading into the the bowl game or maybe with the bowl game. I apologize. They were 100th on offense and 53rd on defense. Defense was good. The defense was very good, but now on that side of the ball. They're starting over. Yeah, Kyle, Harman, Kate Hall, Kyle Harman's gone. Kate Hall, Billy Ami Mahoko, you know, all I mean, Nehemiah Shelton. They're they're mm-hmm. they're having to replace a lot on that side of the ball, which is not to say that the, you know the cupboard is entirely you know barren all of a sudden, but you know when you look at you know where they left off, at, you know on January first or thereabouts, you know you see that there isn't much difference between where they left up on offense. You know they finished a hundredth and the projected a hundred and second. But their defensive projection, you know, they finished 53rd on the side of the ball last year. Now they're projected to be 95th, which is not to say that they can't beat that projection. Like, I think if you're a Spartans fan, you, there's there are plenty of reasons to have confidence that Derek Odom and that coaching staff will, will find some answers, if not all of the answers right away. But exactly. that... Is, and like I said, this is more of a starting point than anything for looking ahead because, of course, a lot can happen between now and week zero. Yeah, they also return basically half of the production, 48 defense percentage-wise defense, defense, and 57% yeah. offense. So it's, but also 
that half the production was five. Well, I guess it's half your defense of five guys, but it was really, really good production. Yeah. And the way, the way he does production, like for Bill C, not, not every position is weighted the same. And so like just on defense first being the Spartans, returning tackles is 70%. And we know Kyle Harmon was a tackle machine. Mm-hmm. And then you had pass defense defended is 14%, which wasn't their overall their strength, I would say. And then TFLs were 12 and sacks were four. So three of those yeah. four were a lot of what San Jose State did well. And but with 70% being tackles, which makes sense because what's the point of defense Matt tackle somebody? You know what I mean? <laughs> Take them out mm-hmm. and tackle. And they lose a lot of that. So but the amount of production coming back, use those metrics because it's not just pure yardage or interception turnovers like an offense, offensive line snaps, 47% accounts for more than passing yards and um and it's equal. Sorry, I was trying to some math here no fly. So returning offensive line snaps, I know we're bouncing around a bit, is the exact same amount in returning production-wise as is quarterback passing yards and mm-hmm. returning receiving yards. So offensive yeah. lines obviously and, the most and, important thing. And for San Jose State, that is, I think is a very important point to make because you know, we knew going into 2022 that they were replacing like what four starters on that unit. Something and like that. Yeah, and and while they they had some ups and downs, you know, protecting Cordero, getting the running game going or not from week to week. <laughs> yeah, my but biggest thing. All of those guys are returning for 2023, and so you know that that level of cohesion, and they're and they aren't the only ones in that regard. I pointed this out when uh, it, with New Mexico too. Mm-hmm. As rough as the offense was last year, you know, the Lobos also, I believe, returned four starters. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out for, for all of those teams in that same boat. But offensive line continuity matters. Very much so. So what else, like, surprised you? Those, like, my, like I said, my surprise those couple of teams. So we look at Nevada. That kind of surprised me that. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Things like Don Peterson on on defense, and those goes like Toitel on offense. They were just overall terrible, and that seems high for me. I didn't think they'd be basically middle of the pack. I don't. Yeah, understand. yeah. I mean, nationally, they're, they're they're still definitely below average, and they and they oh, definitely yeah. still languish on on offense in particular. You know, they're they're still going to have to solve their quarterback situation one way or another. They are going to need to find replacements for Tala and Devontae Lee. Mm-hmm. But, you know, other than Peterson, you know, I believe they're returning most, if not all, of their other major contributors from that side of the ball last year. Um, you know, Drew Watts, who very quietly had a very good year as a, as a linebacker, is back. I believe Tyson Williams also has one more year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, Dion Washington was an up-and-comer. Uh, Bentley Sanders, I believe, is also back. I think he has one more year. Don't quote me on that. So it's not the greatest situation to be in. But I do think that, you know, if they can hold on to some of the, the, the glimmers of potential that they showed 
as you know throughout the year like there were a lot of weeks where it wasn't pretty but then you know you look at the Fremont Cannon game that closed the year for example and you you remember that they had a two touchdown lead early in that game over UNLV before letting it slip away from them so there are there is room for growth there and i think that, you know the other thing to keep in mind with the wolf pack in particular and again they aren't the only ones in the same boat but they went into last year as one of the you know with one of the lowest returning production figures anywhere in the country i think it was something like what 20 something percent if i'm not mistaken hmm. but this year the wolf pack have nearly doubled that you know they're they're and again it's still not a, a huge amount of returning production but they're up to 53 percent overall without a huge split on offense or defense and so it still may take time for for things to come together for ken wilson and company but it you can see you know the, the potential is there based on what they especially based on what they bring back on defense i still think they're two years away but they're I think you're probably right yeah, to be like they were not good last year. So yeah, another, but team, it's all, again, but, but but I think it, but I think you know SP plus is sort of deceptive because you know, as we mentioned at, at the top, it's sort of hard to, to figure out like who from the transfer portal is going to make yeah. a huge impact, and and at least to this point in the offseason, Nevada has been one of those teams that has been really proactive in, in bringing players in the same way that they were last year as well. Yeah, they they brought in like a number of guys from like a handful of different Pac-12 programs, Oregon, Cal, um, you know, programs like that. And so we, it's it's hard to judge right now in, in mid-February, like which of those guys are are going to step up and and make waves in spring practice. Like the, you know, I think the Wolfpack in particular are still a month away from even seeing the practice field. <laughs> so hard, yeah, it's hard to tell who's what. There's, a, the there's still a lot of mystery around that team. It, it, it could go in any, any number of different ways. So CSU is also a team that's surprising. They're 129th in offense. I wonder with the member the efficiency folks, Clay Millen quarterback was, what was he? 70% completion rate somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. That's well, that sounds amazing, but what was he throwing? Short passes, a lot of them. Quick screens. That is not really extremely efficient if you think about big picture because the point is to move the ball down the field. And I guess if, if you want to be efficient, a few as plays as possible and score points too while you're at it. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, I wonder if that gives them a ding on on the opposites, which is 129 overall. We know the running game wasn't great, but they have one of the best receivers in college football and up-and-coming sophomore, soon-to-be sophomore quarterback, Clay Millen, who should be – like I, I think we talked about – kind of bold picks or early predictions. Like he could be in the running in some level for one of the two all-conference quarterback positions by the end of the year. I know it's yeah, not I mean, a I think if you're, I think if you're a Rams fan and you're thinking about that ranking in terms of like the five factors in particular, the one problem that the Rams had for, for most of last year is they were not always terribly efficient. Mm-hmm. Like you can see the explosiveness. Like they had that going for them. Yeah, but then you remember yes. that but then you remember that the you know overall, and we'll talk about this again at some point as well, you know, 110th in power success rate. So like when they had opportunities to move the chains in short yarded situations, they struggled in doing that. Um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, Millen's is, issues with pass protection were um you know pronounced 
basically week after week, you know, to the point that they had a, they were 130 person sack rate, which dead last to put that in context, um, and 119th in stuff rate too. So like, even though Avery Morrow, you know, looked like at least part of the solution in the second half of last year, you know, that was still very much a work in progress by the end of the year. And so I do think that, you know, there is definitely plenty of potential for the Rams to beat that projection. Mm-hmm. But I think it is fair to say, and, and we'll, we're going to come back to this in, in, in the team preview, I'm sure, it's all going to start up front with that offensive line. Well, it's, it's basically everything overall. And yeah, it's going to be, I'm looking at a couple of things with Bill C stuff on here. Doesn't mention too many Mountain West stuff here at the moment, but just to kind of improve or improve teams that are most likely to improve or, or go the other way, fade. But let's go to the good teams because people want to hear that. So, okay. Four top 100 teams, which is whatever, not great, but it's okay. My big shock out of this is how in the heck is Fresno State the, considered the best team in SP Plus at 67 when they're literally losing? I'll pull the percentage numbers here, but offense, Jalen Moreno Copper, Moreno Copper, Moreno Copper, excuse me. You know, this guy, Jake Hainer, quarterback, pretty good. Heard of him, going to be drafted mm-hmm. in like two months. Jordan Mims, they're losing. Um, Who's the wide receiver going to Washington? Or no, DB, sorry. I just scored my bad. Josh Kelly? Oh, yeah, Josh Kelly. Yes, he's leaving. I remember there's a trio going to a wazoo. Like, they're losing literally their top uh, production-wise, not offensive line start-wise, because that's a thing. But obviously, but I mean, like pure yardage and more tangible to the average in watching when you lose a 1,000-yard receiver, 1,000-yard rusher, but they're somehow tops in the conference overall. And we'll get the defense soon. They lost um, guys as well defensively in the portal. How big of a surprise were you selling? Like, wait, Fresno is what? They're ranked the highest at 67? I know the offense is 83 overall, but that seems kind of surprising. Just, I know the defense should be projected to be pretty good despite losing a couple guys as well, but that overall ranking kind of is a little eye popping to me. Well, the, the, the defense is your answer. Yeah, that, because, that's my, yeah. Because, you know, they obviously they're losing David Perales, they're losing uh, Evan Williams. He transferred to Oregon. I, think LJ really is out of eligibility. I can't remember off the top of my head. But then you, you realize, you know, they got Levell Bailey coming back. You know, Dino Bridges stepped up late in the year uh, in on the interior of the defensive line. Cam Lockridge is back. Um, Braylon Lux, if he's healthy again, he's back. Maurice Norris is back. They're returning a lot. 71% on that side of the ball. 71%. Which explains why they ha- why that unit has the second best overall outlook of any unit in the Mountain West. Yeah, you know, 39th overall. It does make sense at it going into. I just felt with how much lost offensively that even their defense is good as it was, wouldn't make up to be the best considered the best SP plus team in the conference. Mm-hmm. It's only one spot yeah, ahead and- of Boise State, too. So it's not like it's a runaway. Yeah, and I, and it's sort of interesting. Like you know, obviously the, the Bulldogs and the Broncos are neck and neck, but I think the more interesting comparison is Air Force mm-hmm. at seventy seventh overall because you know if my math is correct, I believe the Falcons have the largest split of any team in the Mountain West in terms of their projection versus on one side of the ball versus the other because the Falcons, even despite the fact that they're replacing three starters. On defense, the the Vince Vince Sanford, TD Blackman, and I believe Chris Herrera. Thirty first overall on that side of the ball. But yeah, it's a, it's on amazing. offense, 
<laughs> on offense, they're projected 118. And and I think that the offensive thing, and we when we talked about it a minute ago with 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 the Rams and, and with the Lobos, the offensive projections seem really dire. In a, in a lot Brad of, Roberts uh, is gone. Hezek Daniels unexpected. is gone. Come on. Yeah, Brad Roberts and Hezek Daniels. I think that explains most of it. But the, yeah, and then of course you remember they're also losing Isaac Cochran on the offensive line, um, who was arguably their best offensive lineman last year. Um, you know, Kyle Patterson's gone, a couple of other receivers are yeah. gone, like David Cormier. So obviously, you know, Roberts and Daniels are the two big pieces. Um but you know, the, but Air Force, like you mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, they're the type of team that, you know, they tend to get underrated in systems like this. So I think it is fair to say that they will probably figure it out to some extent. Yeah, they're always a team where, like I if because Bill C's been inclu- incorporated recruiting and they're typically mm-hmm. them in the academy always low. So seeing them that high, that actually might be even bigger surprise than Fresno State, I think. Partly because and history is part of it as well, and how well they're efficient running the ball. And you take into consideration past success, and their past success is pretty consistent running the ball for the most part. We know what you're mm-hmm. going to get. They may not be have the explosiveness with having John Lee Eldridge, Brad Roberts, and Daniels there, so it might take a hit there overall. But we know what they're getting. The computer knows what's what's the, what's getting with Air Force running the ball. Yeah, and so that's going to kind of keep it consistent and high, but still it's higher than I thought because they're usually not great. Like in rankings, sorry, let me rephrase you there. Usually not considered great within these rankings, usually way below. Like they could have a, was it them? I know Utah State gets an issue too, but they're ranked lower, but despite getting all these wins, they move up like two spots or one spot week to week. Mm -hmm. They're like, give us respect. Speaking of, speaking of respect, Mm -hmm. San Diego State at number eighty overall. What do you think about that? I'm like, yeah, I think it's it's okay. Honestly, the most interesting thing to me is the split between offense and defense is not nearly as wide as it has been in years past. True, but, but just also... for, for the sake for the sake of context, you know, their offensive SP plus the Aztecs last year finished 123rd on offense. And 34th on defense, 13th on special teams. So the fact that they're you know 95th on offense and 66th on defense, I think that speaks to a couple of different things. One, you know, obviously the the Aztecs got dinged a little bit by graduations, you know, like John Tobai, Sean Banks, guys like that, and the, and of course losing a couple of pieces at least, like CJ Baskerville to the transfer portal. But I do think it also speaks to the progress, the real progress that that they made with Jalen Maiden as their quarterback last year. Mm-hmm. And he only played. And, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, I was going to say that you know he only played like what half a season as the starter, but he gave that side of the ball instant credibility, and it wasn't always perfect. You know, he was you know mistake prone here and there, but there was no doubt that you know he gave that offense a shot in the arm like yeah, I, i'm sure this will come up again too but he was number one in the conference in yards per attempt last year yeah that's what i was gonna say like he played well but then also limited time so that's where the offense is getting slightly better but also i'd say defense isn't considered as good being a 66 ranking but yeah pat- which is to say that they're they're closer average mm-hmm. 
but but I do think that that given their track record, that they're likely to beat that projection as well. And, and nothing says that they can't also hit the transfer portal, which they've been surprisingly quiet to yeah. this point. You know, but maybe they do pick up another athlete or two, you know, when it reopens later in the spring and and shore up that defensive depth, you know, find one or two impact players to do that. Or you know, you know they, they just plug and play the same way that they always do. And, and guys that we haven't talked about yet end up making you know big contributions for them it'll just change when they're a pac-12 aztec in a couple of years so once again <laughs> there you go. so once so once the invite comes during during easter weekend or something like oh Aztecs yeah. looking pretty good next time but it's true but also i think with the offense the running game took a big hit last year wasn't very good and their passing game or receiving games usually you know not great they can be explosive occasionally but i think that all includes where the offense so I really think that the, the reason the differential is closer is because the offense is slightly better, but the defense is taking a step back from traditional being like top 15 defense, like nationally elite defenses. But if their offense gets better, we, we know what to expect from Mannix and everything and Brady Hoke there for the coaching staff, what they can do. The defense is not going to stay down for too long. And they weren't even bad last year. They just weren't like one of the best in the country. They were, they were good. <laughs> they were good. Yeah, but they weren't elite. Yeah, so that's a big difference. So they get back to because, like, to that you know, being league. being elite for like three or four years in a row is a very difficult thing for any group of five team to do. Yeah, so they can kind of get back in that range somewhere, like just a little bit better than last year. If the offense takes a step forward, which I think it will, mm-hmm. then they're going to be. As I said it forever. How many years have I said it, Matt? They get a good quarterback, average quarterback, not even good. Go along with that elite defensive running game, they're unstoppable, and they're not. They got the quarterback part. We think. But now they got to get the running game going, and the defense could be a bit better. But they're, yeah, they're a team where they're kind of about where I thought. So now let's go to the Boise State here. They are sitting at number two, one behind Fresno State at sixty. Was it sixty-eight? I don't yes. me, Sorry, it went away. My screen went away. They're arguably the most balanced team differential-wise. I believe they mm-hmm. exactly are. They are six seventy-one offense, sixty-three defense, and they have a similar thing with. Um, Kind of a senior state quarterback because Taylor Green came in after a month with Hank Bachmeyer transferred and left the program to secure another opportunity somewhere else to play. So that, I wonder if that, how much of a hit that takes into it. And then the receiving group isn't great. We know that George Solani and Genty running the ball got quite better as the year go- went on. So that's makes sense. They'd have the best offense overall despite lacking receivers, but the quarterbacks still make plays. And the defense is nationally average. And they lose a couple guys who are going to the NFL or potentially attempting to do so. So they're kind of where I thought they'd be. Like them being them being the most balanced is not surprising because that's what they've been the past couple of years. Defense has been a bit better. Offense has been good, but not great. It is mildly surprising they are as low as they are overall, though. You think so? Because I because I because I don't I don't have all the preseason SP plus projections in front of me. But but you know year after year, at least in in recent memory, the, the Broncos have always been like a top forty, top fifty team, and so it was kind of surprising to see them you know being slightly below the national average. Like you, know, in terms of like adjusted points per game, they're nobody in the conference is at zero. Like for even Fresno State, you know, with the best projection is like negative point one or something like that. Um, but I do think that you know, like we just talked about with the Aztecs, the fact that 
you know, Green is is more or less established as the quarterback, and the running game is is more or less established as one that looks like it could be very dangerous next fall. Definitely. You know, you know, you you look at where they finished last year as well. They were 59th overall, but they were also 91st on offense and 28th on defense. Mm. So those departures on defense, like Skinner, like Tyreek Jones, and, and other guys like that, you know, did ding their overall outlook. But at the same time, you know, the fact that they're returning so much on offense could go a long way towards making up for that. It could, but I also think the receiving group returns production wasn't good. They were they didn't have a clear Shakir type, but they were fine last year. Yeah, I just eh. I feel and, like... and it's not to and it's not to say that they don't have options that could step up in that regard. Like I'm really interested to see what a guy, for example, like Eric McAllister can do. You know, after getting more time down the stretch, you know, if he can be, you know, that field stretcher that they need, or Stephen Cobbs, if he's back to 100, you know, whether he can be that guy that they expected. It's true. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's uh. Oh boy, I clicked on some link here. That's not what I wanted here, Paul. I went to go look up historical SP Plus rankings. It took me to some weird website. I have no clue what it is. Let's get out of here. I thought ESPN had the drop down like preseason, but it's trying to see if we could or just have me look or let the audience show where Boise was the past couple of years. So not quite off the top of my head. I can't find it here, but I, I think you're right. But I know they've always been like number one for a while. I just didn't think they were top 40. I thought they were always about. Maybe fifties, not necessarily forties. And I know that they've slipped a little bit in the last couple of years, but it, but again, they haven't been this low at least to start with for for a, a while that I know of. Well, we'll see what happens now. They have a consistent quarterback, and that could be part of it too. Like same guy at quarterback, receivers stepping up, but we'll see how it goes. They have. Um... Uh, who do they have open up with? Do they play Oregon State again this year? Is that like their opener? I think I don't have their schedule in front of me. Uh, well, they're always they good at Washington. Washington? Yeah, yeah, that's Washington. I'll be tough. So we'll know a lot when they play that opener game. But these rankings are like, yeah, they they're not everything. So don't think this is because this is what your team will be. Yeah, they go out Washington, <laughs> host UCF, North Dakota at home, and then go to Memphis. So reasonably difficult non conference schedule where they can. Honestly, go one and three if things don't go well, or they can go three and one. Yeah. Anything else about these teams? Any FPS SP plus teams? Sorry, that stood out yeah. to you. Can we talk UNLV, about Wyoming maybe? for a minute? Oh yeah, it's good. The Cowboys. Yeah, their offense is where it should be. I think <laughs> near the bottom. Sorry. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would. <laughs> I don't know that I would disagree. One hundred and twenty third overall, sixty uh, eighth on defense. But I think what's most interesting. And I'm really fascinated to see how it plays out. In terms of returning production, the Cowboys right now are head and shoulders above everybody else in the Mountain West. 82% of last year's production is back, even despite the fact that you know Titus Swin is gone and Owase Yomatosho is gone and Cam Stone is gone. I'm very interested to see how that level of returning production ends up playing itself out because historically, as, as Bill Conley mentioned, you know, when a team returns at least 80% of their production on average, they, they improve by 
5.8 adjusted points per game. So the way that he translated that is, you know, a top 25 team by SP plus would turn into a top 10 one. So what's that so for Wyoming though? Like that's something. So for the for the Cowboys who are ranked 101st overall, like I am I'm very interested to see if if that level of production coming back and again they finished last year 100 so they're they're sort of picking up where they left off in a lot of respects so he's especially especially if they could pick it up on offense like they're where they finished in january and where they project here in mid-february is almost exactly the same on both sides of the ball despite having lost a few starters on both sides of the ball so that five point eight per game, you say scoring, like do you mean five point actual football points on the scoreboard per game? I forget on... the ex- I forget the exact math behind it. I don't think that Connolly has ever like revealed it. Let's say. No, I mean um, like the five point eight is like five more, like just the five point eight points better on the field. Is that all that means? So so adjusted points per game means that they are, you know, x points better than an average college football team. Okay. So, like last year, at the end of last year, he used the the Georgia Bulldogs, who won the national championships, as an example. Mm-hmm. You know, Georgia, of course, finished number one by SP Plus. Their rating was thirty seven point three, so that meant that they were thirty seven points better than what you would call an average college football team by SP Plus. Okay. So, what that would mean for a team like Wyoming, who you know last year they finished, you know negative 10.6 adjusted points per game if you add i'm just going to round to like five and a half Mm -hmm. that bumps them from where they finished last year 100th up to 87th overall give or take yeah and right now they're actually they're they're breathing like down san diego state's neck yeah and this year currently they're minus 13 yeah so if we just take that and go six that puts about minus seven you're right there right there yeah 83 80 to 85 somewhere in that range yeah so it's fascinating there's a capacity for them to surprise this year it's also a thing to point out we always mention this all the time just because you have good players coming back doesn't mean they're any good like production yeah they can bring back 100 percent. but if you're 0 and 12 with a bad team who cares they have to be better like odds are they will be better and they are also a team i know their schedule put up favorably where near the end of the year they had a shot to be in the conference championship race and they legitimately did, but their tougher games came at the end. They faltered on the stretch, losing like Boise State and other teams and couldn't quite get it done. So that's also kind of, they were a little fooling people last year a little bit where they were sitting, I guess the last two games of Boise and Fresno games, like, oh, we're right here. One conference loss, but we lost to San Jose State, but we should have saw it coming more than we should have. They got blown out by San Jose State, but then it was close. Boise lost to get their butt kicked by Fresno with two teams that have mm-hmm. uh, pretty good offenses. So, We'll see what they could do, but that is they they might be the most could be one of the more intriguing teams of at least this number wise where they finish up because if they do because think of it this way, if you look at who they lost to last year, like if we just kind of go off actual football points, again, three point loss to uh schedule one way, but three point loss to Boise, uh close loss to BYU. I'm trying to pull up here, but they were those could be a couple wins. They could have like two more wins possibly. Mm-hmm. If we're looking at that, that would put them I don't know if that they finished seven and six. If they're nine and three or nine and four or death bowl game, sorry. So whatever it may be, like eight or nine, eight, let's just say eight Mountain West regular season wins. That's not win the conference, but you're probably moving up at least one spot. Oh, 
But they we'll might be the most interesting team in the Mountain West in the spring. Can Andrew Peasley throw the ball down the field? Because, you know, I'm going to guarantee right now this will be 100% fact. And we've already seen this happen with the Mexico football. We'll actually talk about that in the second year for spring. Craig Ball will talk about how they want to throw the ball a lot more and the quarterbacks look as better as they ever have. <laughs> That's like five years ago he says that about his quarterbacks. He's had, I believe, five different starting quarterbacks, somewhere in that range. I'm only half kidding on that. To be fair, it was true for a little while last year. <laughs> yeah. Any NESP plus stuff, or should we talk about um, Craig Thompson for a minute? I think we can talk about Craig Thompson for a minute. All right. Are you, um, if you're to hand out a grade, a grade to Craig Thompson, what would that kind of be over his what twenty year career of the only Mountain West Conference commissioner until December thirty first of twenty twenty two? Twenty four years, if I remember correctly. Oof. It's a lot. I I mean, I think I would probably give him like a B plus. I think I would be a lot more forgiving because I think people mistake no obvious action for inaction. When I think it is probably more accurate to say that for really long stretches in the conference's history under his stewardship, that no news is probably good news. Given the upheaval that, you know, college athletics has seen, you know, with realignment over the past decade plus or so. Yeah, I would say the only, honestly, people give him bad crap about stuff. Like there's two things that were not good within his tenure, I'd say. Moving the basketball tournament to, to Denver which was stupid. I get why, but it was still done because you have four, multiple schools close to Denver, but come on, it's Vegas in March. What, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then also not inviting Boise State when he invited TCU at the time. That was the only mistake in, I felt like his only big ones he made. There's other things that we can get to. Like the TV stuff is kind of his fault with the Mountain Network, but not really. Like he's not a. It was ahead of his time. Yeah. Like look at the SEC Network. Look at, I know Pac 12 Network's not doing well, but yeah, SEC look Network. Yeah. I mean, if NFL like Network, NBA live, TV. If you're like me and you have live Hulu, you know, yeah. you, you pull up on a Saturday and you see exactly how many things are streaming from like ESPN Plus. Yeah. Specifically through Hulu. Mm hmm. Like, like, imagine if that had been available when when they launched the mountain. Like, you can't blame him for having thought outside the box because now everybody does it. Because infrastructure wasn't there to stream all these games, and they're doing it early on. They're on Facebook and Twitter early, Stadium Park Campus Insiders. They're all part mm-hmm. of that. Like, people didn't have, even though America is still behind, like the speed of internet that we should that should be available to everybody around the world or in the country should be better. At a lot of places, not I'm like. I complain here is the place where it's really issue, but we have the there's re, there's um conglomerates in place to uh, limit that uh, free flow thinking of certain things and creativity. But the Mountain West, like like those are the two bad things. We'll go back to that real quick. Like not bringing Boise, which was dumb when they brought TC. Like and there's also things against him. Like I remember writing some in our old site where when Utah made the BCS. Like there was a time when game day come to town and it was a, I believe it was a CBS sports network game, two top 10 teams, not on the ESPN. They still had game day come to town. It's either mm-hmm. I think it's Utah TCU and TCU beat the doors off of Utah when they went through Rose Bowl guys like tank, tank Carter, who, if you all remember, knocked down the two point conversion versus Wisconsin, Andy Dalton, I think they had Jerry Hughes on that team as well. Really good mm-hmm. players on that team. But the, but their stuff against them, like the BCS was always against them. 
which we get They'll, like the former attorney general of Utah, like we're going to sue you because why do we need to be this high antitrust stuff, which Craig Thompson was a part of, but there's the stretch where it gets him where they had better numbers in the big 10 and the big East when they were a, a BCS qualifying conference where mm-hmm. there are stuff in contracts and stipulation. If they're higher than the, I think top six average in multiple categories, they should be, they should, they can add because there was a clause there. They could either go to five when there were six power conferences go down to five or go to seven for BCS automatic inclusions for a big 10 bowl game. Mountain West met those criteria and still got shut out. Like what else can you do? And there's also people complain, Oh, Utah, BYU, TCU leaving. Like look what San Diego state's doing right now. If they look what Boise state or yeah, Boise and San Diego state when the big East was calling San Diego state was going to be in the freaking big East. Boise state was going to be in the big East for football. You're t- like, there's money involved where, where you're going regardless. And you can't stop that. Like, had the Mountain Mountain West been, say, a BCS conference, I still don't know if the money would drastically shoot up just because you have that name next to you because the mm-hmm. Big East no longer, no longer sponsors football. So there's stuff against him. And because, well, we don't want to play. Like, the stupid, I think it was the boys who was in the whack, not his fault, but, like, this plotted against these conferences where even though it was a heck of a game, Boise State versus, versus TCU in the Fiesta Bowl, one of the better bowl games around, like they played back to back. Remember, they played that Point City Bowl game. Then they went mm-hmm. to the Fiesta Bowl. Like that was one of the more exciting games. But they would rather have played. The big schools don't want to lose to them, and so they will put that. Even though it's a good matchup on paper, like well, it's just these two schools. Who cares? You're not playing Ohio State. You're not playing Iowa, like Iowa if they're in these bowl games. You're not playing Texas or Texas A&M or USC or Washington or Miami or whoever. Name the insert Penn State big school here. Like their stuff that was a lot against them. Basketball, they could overcome that with guys like Jim Ferdinand, Kawhi Leonard, those type of players. Even though the basketball never made good runs, but coaches like Lon Kruger, Eric Musselman coming through the league. They have Steve Alford in here twice doing things. So, mm-hmm. and early on with Utah, Rick Majerus and Dave Rose again BYU. But I think overall, I did fine. Like it's there's stuff that was always going to be stacked against any conference. That's not Big Ten, Big Twelve, etc. Well, yeah, and think about how. Basically, every team that the Mountain West has added has 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 brought at least something to the table in 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 the major sports. Like you well, know, they've Fresno all State done well. Is, yeah, I mean, like Fresno State, for example, currently has the th- third best overall winning percentage of of any team in in of, of at least among the current conference membership. In its history, so like excluding TCU, Utah, and BYU, um, and then Utah State right behind them. You know, both of those teams have won conference championships. Both of those teams have been to the Mountain West, or excuse me, to the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. in their time within the Mountain West. Um, you know, San Jose State took a little while to get going, but they've come alive in men's basketball. They won a conference Ten championship miles. as well. You know, you know, Hawaii's been you know up and down, but even they won a division title and made a conference championship appearance at one point. Every team except Nevada of the new schools have been to a Mountain West title game or won the title. Exactly. Include okay, we should mention the schools: Utah State winning conference title, been there. Um, San Jose State winning, Boise State winning, Fresno State winning. So that's the point. Like they've all been there. Nevada's the only team that hasn't been to a conference title game. So when you have all but one new members make it that, that, that high up, that's a pretty big deal. Well, so it's, 
Yeah. And Utah, it's saying that Utah State has been to two. Fresno State's been to five. So all you're right. And then let's get to the, the most interesting point. So do you remember, like, do you recall what was going on like back in 2010? Like it basically Texas is about to be in the Pac-10 at the moment. They're like you're five seconds. Probably gonna have to walk me through this. Okay. It's about okay. It's 13 years ago. I remember it's like there's orange bloods and like ah, oh, Texas is literally moments away from Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. I want to say Texas Sanem and Baylor. We're gonna go to the mm-hmm. Pac-10 to make 16. So, but but here's what here's what came down to. So that did happen, obviously, because we're living in a way different world where USC is going to be playing in Piscataway for volleyball matches coming up in two years, which is ridiculous to think about New Jersey, but what was going on at the time? So here's what it was. So within the um, concept context of what everything happened. So you had Colorado go to the big 12 or leave the big 12, go to the PAC 10 Utah, obviously that's kind of what happened, but what BYU was going to do, they'd left. And this is the only part that's not actually Craig Thompson's fault, but it's, it was, but it wasn't, I'd say it kind of was because they didn't have it in writing. Cause what it was, they kind of lied to BYU because like we want to replay games on BYU TV, which is available over the air and everywhere. We're throwing CSTV at the time before yeah. it was Mountain West Network and Versus and all that type of stuff. Comcast owned it. Mm-hmm. They didn't get in writing and they wanted to be out of there because this is not fair. Yeah. And they're obviously a little butthurt. Utah got to go to the Pac-12 to form the Pac-12, which I get. BYU's fan base is huge and we know that, blah, blah, blah. But BYU is going to join the WAC to play football. And the WAC was still okay. Like, Boise wasn't in there. TC wasn't in there anymore. The WAC was like New Mexico State, most of Mountain West, Nevada, Utah State, Hawaii, Fresno, San Jose. Uh, I don't recall who you, I don't think UTEP was at the time. I think whatever. But it was just like, it was like the Conference USA at the moment. Like, it wasn't very good. Like, even we mentioned all these schools that rose up to go to Conference title game. They weren't all that great. Nevada had mm-hmm. that stretch, but that was about it. And Hawaii was whatever. They are pretty good at times for June Jones. That's yeah, they're was that yeah, that was at the same time frame, basically. Yeah, I'm trying to think of my timeline there. But they're gonna do that in WAC. So they would play play all the sports in the WAC and play they still kind of had the agreement for a year or two where they'd play about four to six games against WAC teams. They basically have a comp, quote conference schedule. So their schedule is halfway filled out because filling out 12 games every year is tough and I'm familiar with how difficult it is for what they do. And if they had built-in games and rivalry games and familiar teams. Even though they weren't necessarily the, they were still stepped up the Mountain West. They'd still schedule out six other teams where they'd still play Utah like they did. They'd still go out and play all these other teams because they're still a pretty big brand. Well, there's two things that happened. One that I remember, I know for sure, a former he's not with Desert News, but Salt Lake Tribune, James Drew found out found out the secret of the worst codename ever. Quotes the project, Matt. How lame is that? Why couldn't they come up with a cool name instead of just the project? That's a very good question. I am disappointed in that. So what what Jay Drew found an open records request, which any good reporter does, is like, what's this letter, Utah State? Because you can't find it from the BYU side, but you can find it from Utah State side, obviously, because private schools, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to get that stuff done. So they found out that they were dead. Like, and Craig Thompson caught one of it. Is like, well, excuse me. No, he made a very shrewd move. Utah State, Nevada. Oh, there's some combination. I don't know the years they came in because they're kind of staggered. But I think he went after first. Wasn't it Nevada, Utah State, Fresno State right away? I think. Um, I know. No, Utah State came in, I believe, a year. Twenty twelve. But he went. Yeah, went Utah after, State came in in twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. He went after a couple of schools, or like basically, what to kill the whack to hurt BYU, mm-hmm. which 
why not? They screwed you. You screw them essentially, right? It's like backstabbing. And yeah, so, so like the, the timeline, just to clarify, Boise State came in in 2011 and then Fresno, Nevada, and Hawaii came in in 2012. Because Boise came in to replace Utah essentially. That was a goal. Yeah. Because I remember that Boise State came in a couple of days in Pac-12 and Pac-10 invited Utah to make it 12 with Colorado after they want to get – they kind of uh, – didn't get what they wanted, but they got a little bit, essentially, with SEC getting Missouri and Texas say that. Time, yeah. So that's how it was. Yeah. But then there's something, I guess this is an older article from Chris Vinini, which I talked about before he does stuff for the Athletic. But like this is buried in there. Apparently, you former Utah president, or AD, I think it was, let me get the exact details here, kind of tipped off Utah State, Michael, um, about what's going on there. And then that got back to Craig Thompson with Michael Young. And he's also young saying basically, well, him and Craig Thompson, or no, Craig Thompson told, excuse me, that's what it was. I apologize. I'm reading it incorrectly here. It is a long piece and I've read it like last week, but apologies. But he said now at the time when asked about it early, I guess within the past year, I'll believe Craig what he said because he's a good friend. He doesn't 100% recall because obviously he was bigger fish to fry going into a power conference and mm-hmm. changing the program trajectory a million times more than what it would be in the Midwest, even if they were getting better. And so when that happened, it kind of tipped things off and got things going. So it is interesting to find out years later that it was a a move to help his old buddy. And I guess they quote they linked back to the article I wrote like a decade ago, apparently. Oh boy, long time, Matt. That it was out of spite. <laughs> Fresno and Nevada. I'm like, heck yeah, it's out of spite. Why would it not be? And so I was like, okay, I'm like, interesting. But that's kind of a, a thing where Craig Thompson gets a lot of credit for where Every move he made, like not every move, but majority of the moves he made were kind of with the purpose and did were good things like the conference network, adding mm-hmm. these teams. But here's the thing about UTEP, what the quote was, Boise State and the Mountain West are about to face a crisis, New, newly Mountain West Boise State team, that is until Utah President Mike Michael Young got wind of the wax move and informed Craig Thompson. So that's all that happened, which is a – I also think – do you think that's a move out of out of Utah? Like we're gonna stick it to rival. We're going to the Pac-12, and we'll blow this thing up as well. Yeah, that would not shock me. <laughs> that would. That's yeah. So that's about Thompson. Like there's things like I've seen him in person. His hair is amazing, which we have to discuss. That's like the what's that paragraph six of his uh biography? Would he go over his career in the Mountain West, or is it up higher? Just like 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 the Warren Zevon song. Yeah, something like that. So, but yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know what else is there to say about him just because he's not as bad as people say, right? Like I said, I think, you know, the, the big missed opportunities, they, they do sting, but I think there's a lot to be said for sort of providing a, a, a steady, if unexciting, like stable foundation for the Mountain West to work from. And, you know, yeah, and you know, without him, you don't have a conference that's you know, at least in the last couple of years, you know, threatening to have you know four or five teams in the Mountain West or excuse me in the men's basketball tournament. You don't have you know a handful of teams with multiple conference championships. You know, most of those mm-hmm. having come to the conference under you know Thompson's guidance and things like that. You don't have teams you know all across the conference pushing their proverbial chips to the table like san diego state like colorado state mm, to raise their profile and and 
try and put their best foot forward. Like, you know, there, there are teams up and down the conference pushing themselves and pushing each other. And, you know, while the, the results haven't always been perfect, like it's not Thompson's fault that they had, that the, that the conference had so much turnover on the field last year and this year. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, the, he, he gets a lot of undeserved flack in my opinion. Yeah, he did fine. Like, I, I get here's one last thing we're wrapped up right here. We got to go here. One of the other dumb things he did was to get that blown up a Gonzaga before it even happened and Wichita. State. Oh, yeah. Because the Gonzaga thing, the president's like, oh, there, there's a report. Oh, we're going to go meet in Spokane or somewhere. And he's like, oh, the deal's already dead before we get there. And the president of Gonzaga's like, wait, what? We were going to discuss this seriously. What's going on here? And I also always felt Gonzaga was going to try to use the Mountain West for a better deal, which they did to say in the West Coast Conference. And then Wichita State, not even entertaining that though they might bring football in 10 years not caring so those were a few other issues like i don't know how much that would help to bring wichita state in at the time but those are only a couple things but overall it's like i'll give him like a b plus similar grade to you b-ish but he defined overall now there's the new uh he is i don't know what he's doing what i really want to know like is he gonna let his hair go does it does he dye it is it natural i never asked that question so that's something we'll have to find out if we see him in public we should we should we should see if he's interested in coming on the podcast i I guess now that he's not in the not, not commissioner, because I tried before for this and radio shows I work on. Nah, they're like, no. I'm like, why not? You got yeah. I need to find out what the San Diego Union Tribune has on him because he talks to them all the time. <laughs> well, you know, Kirk Kenny does good work down there. So well, he does. He does. I'm just no, I, I get it. I'm just saying, like, he always talks to them a lot for him or Ziegler about doing stuff like Mark Ziegler for Hoopside. So so now Commissioner is long gone, and now, oh my gosh, I should even know her name. I forget. We should mention Gloria Navarez. That's right. I just picked up former West Coast Conference Commissioner, who I've actually spoken to once before, getting things done. So she she does going forward, and there was a little talk about expansion the other day, but she was kind of like vague about it. So I was like, okay, well, we'll see what the landscape goes, which is kind of a good thing to move in this type of conference. But anything else to add about the uh, Commissioner Thompson or anything else for this evening's broadcast? I think well, I'm all set for now. All right. We'll be back next week, most likely Sunday. We took a couple of days extra. You know, that thing, the Super Bowl bat takes up people's bandwidth. So we want oh, to let that, that, that and Valentine's Day. Yeah, Valentine's Day. We, let, we want to let those two massive holidays have their space before we jump in. We don't want to crowd it with everybody coming to us instead. Just saying. We're looking out for you guys. Yeah. All right. We'll be back next week, MWR.com, to discuss. We need to find some topics because we we maybe we need to find some nonsense about that, that nonsense. That's our next plan for next week to have some more fun and some spring updates. We'll get to that with other teams getting going because I don't want to talk about guys in shorts and shoulder pads because that doesn't mean do much for me or anybody for how good they are. So we'll be back next time again. MWWire.com and um, yeah, just uh, let's just hope it gets warm soon. Matt, I want spring to get here as soon as possible. <laughs>